Ladies and gentlemen, we have a little footage left over from our, our interview with Derek Lambert uh, from Myth Vision. So tonight we're going to learn a little bit more about Derek and why he dove into Calvinism so deeply. We're gonna, we'll maybe even make a comparison between Calvinism and Mormonism. Um, so enjoy tonight's episode on Topic Discuss. to school and this time I'm reading my Bible, but I'm reading my Bible. I've never read the Bible like this. I opened up like I still have it to this day. And I told my wife when I die, you know, keep this to show the kids. I want them to see what their dad had highlighted, what their dad had put. This is me in high school. And I read the book from Genesis to Revelation. But when I read it, I read it and I wanted to I, you ever remember the never ending story movie where the kid rides the dog as the dragon? Okay. Yeah. Every time he read that Unlocked book, dragon. There, <laughs> yes. Well, I went there in the Bible. I was there in the garden when God made Adam and Eve. I was there when Cain killed Abel. I was there when Noah built the ark. You know, I was there and I walked up on the mountain of God when God gave the commandments to Moses and the children of Israel passed through the wilderness. I was there when they were murmuring to God, why haven't you fed us? I was there when the judges came on the scene and Samson went to slew a thousand Philistine with the jawbone of an ass. I was there, you know, and that's how serious I got into it to a point where I fell in love with it. And I actually did really good in my school. I, I, I passed a uh, English honors. And I did my pre-calculus class. I like, I, I passed everything. I was really good. And I said, it's the Bible. It was, it was God, you know, is the reason why when I got that over with, and I got my high school diploma, I went and I started my own landscaping business. I started making money because I worked hard with my hands. I was really good at working with my hands. Years later, I'm telling you this because we, I started to separate from that church what got me separated was my doing things and not feeling comfortable going back into this environment to have her with her manipulative ways of communicating. She didn't mean it bad. That's how self-delusional these cults are. I didn't want to go in there and we tried counseling. My wife and I went to her and things like that. It just did not fit for me and my wife. My wife thought they were crazy for real. She thought they were real crazy. She's like, why are you guys rolling on the ground, casting out demons? That was an act. There's no way that's real, you know? And it, <laughs> there's stories. Let me just put it that way. There's stories about how crazy we would get. And they would try to cast the demon of lust out of me and literally spend hours laying hands on me. And I'd be trying to like go into a trance to try and like get rid of this thing. Yeah. It doesn't work in case anyone's wondering. Uh, <laughs> it, yeah. You want it to, even I wanted it to, I, I believed it, but uh, I'm I've been bouncing around. To get to the point, my wife and I are looking for a church for me and my, my kids and, and her. And it's not all three kids at the time. It's one or two of them at the time. We went to Calvary Chapel. And Calvary Chapel was a more balanced church. They didn't do the whole crazy speaking in tongues, laying on the ground. It was much more formal. But there was more teaching from the Bible that stuck. The guy like knew the narratives a lot better than the lady. She was more woo-woo. I use the term. He was more like, here's what Jesus said to Peter and James and John. And here's what, and I was more into that at this point. I matured a little. I didn't just deal with weird things. And I heard him misquote a Bible verse where Jesus says, tear down this temple and I'll rebuild it in three days. And the Jews said, 
what it took us. And he said 40 years, he misquoted that passage. And I had read the Bible so like deep. I was like, no, it's 46. So I knew he made a mistake. No, nothing big. But to me, it was big. It was extremely big that he didn't even know the number, the exact number of how many years it said it took 46 years. And I went to him after church and I said, how do I do what you do? How do I teach people? Because I think I have a passion for teaching and I know a lot about the Bible, but I want to know more. He said, why don't you go to this church college? It's Carolina Bible College at the time. Now it's called Carolina College of Biblical Studies. Go and study and then you can go and they'll send you to a seminary and then you can become a pastor of your own church. Little tidbit of information. We stopped going to that church. That guy cheated on his wife with one of the women in the, in the congregation, had a relationship going with her. It just goes to show you, like there was no holy man. No one was really holy. No one was truly sacred. Everyone acts like it. Everyone wants to be. They, they're playing the narrative. No one was truly the thing they say that they really were. Now, there's some wonderful people. Don't get me wrong. It's just don't fool yourself into thinking that these people are all, oh, no, they're not like Derek. They don't think like him. I'm sorry that my honesty is blunt, and it's very honest. So honest, it could be embarrassing for some. I'm not ashamed of a single thing that I'm saying right now because I know that I'm a human being. I know who I am now. And I know that if you want to hide behind those eyeballs of yours and pretend that you don't have your own issues, your own problems, whatever that might be, then you're fooling yourself. So I think it's good to be honest with yourself. And I do it as a transparency to the world. I want everyone to know the kind of failures in the, in the if we can call them that, the shortcomings that I have. I want them to know that, you know? Yeah. So, and, and really it's, it's, um, it's part of the, the shame that we put ourselves through too. Right. And then sometimes I think in order to cover up that shame, we were dishonest even with ourselves, right. Um, about, you know, who we really are and, and, and being vulnerable about, you know, what, what we are ashamed of. Well, the shame so, I think was there from the, from the teachings, but anyway, yeah, go ahead. from the teachings. Yeah. So then so then how did you decide or or at what point in the story did you decide to go to a college or a university for um, theology or biblical studies? I didn't have money. We weren't rich at all. We're not rich at all as we speak now. But um, I went and did FAFSA. They have a FAFSA. YouTube, YouTube hasn't made you rich, Derek. I wish. <laughs> People think that's how it works. It's not. That's that a myth. That's yeah, a myth. that's a myth. Um it takes a Go long ahead. time and serious subscribers and stuff to make that happen. But I, um, I went online, found out that there's programs, grants that the government will cover called FAFSA. And I, I applied and I actually got a grant, if you will, from the government to go to this college. And I learned things that you don't pick up usually in like books and commentaries and stuff. But I learned a lot more actually just reading books from other theologians and scholars through the years than I ever did at the college. Either way, I learned a lot at the college, but it was more like terminologies and things like how to understand what, you know, the differences between angelology, demonology, eschatologies and different terminologies, but learning biblical stuff. I learned more reading books about and from I, scholars, I went, huh? From scholars, from scholars and theologians throughout the years. 
I met what would become my pastor of the Presbyterian church. He was teaching a course at that college and he was a Calvinist. So I went from woo woo speaking in tongues to Calvary chapelish balanced middle ground. They're spiritual, but they're also not too formal to predestination is what, what hooked me. I read passages in the Bible where Paul is saying in Romans chapter nine, before either one was born and has done anything right or wrong, good or evil, so that God's purpose of election would stand. Jacob, I loved Esau. I hated, he said, and he predestined, he chose this path. And that Paul's making this argument. He even raised Pharaoh up to harden Pharaoh's heart so that he would do the things he did to Israel so he would free them one day. And then the person who's arguing with Paul, this is what the Calvinist showed me. The person who's arguing with Paul literally says to Paul, but then how can God find fault in us? If he's the one doing all of this, plans all of this, everything is him, then how can he say it's my fault? This is the question they say to Paul. And Paul says, who are you, O oh man, to answer back to God? Does the thing formed say to its maker, why have you made me thus? Does not the potter have right over the clay, over the same clay, to make one lump, one vessel for common use prepared for destruction and one for glory, one to save and one for glory? Does not the creator have the right to do what he wants with his clay? Who, who do you think you are? That was Paul's argument. And so I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Remember my foundation. It's all attached to that experience I had in my heart that I felt warm and fuzzy to the Bible. What the Bible said was true. And Paul said it. And Paul's trying to rebuke someone who's trying to say, how can he say it's our fault then, Paul? And he's like, who do you think you are? That started well, my Calvinism. So in Calvinism then, predestination, does that, does predestination in a way absolve people? For, so I, let me, no. let me, let me tell you, um, last night uh, with my kids, I watched uh, on Disney Plus is Loki. I don't know if you've seen Loki, but in this, um, in the series, you know, Loki is the bad guy in the Avengers, and mm -hmm. there's now a new divine timeline. Right. And Loki is the, the divine um, arbitrators or, or rulers of this divine timeline who created the divine timeline need Loki to follow his path on the timeline. They need him to be the god of mischief. And anytime he gets off that path, it screws up their timeline. So right. it's almost like... Loki, you're supposed to be a bad guy. Stop, stop trying to deviate from that or be a variant to that. Mm -hmm. Is that is that Calvinism? Like you're supposed to be, Derek, a heroine. No, addict. because the bad guys that are bad will be blamed for the very things that they're created for. The, it, it does not strip responsibility. Oh, okay. That's, so the, the now, but they're but they're supposed to do it. They're supposed to be the bad guy. According, and they're supposed to go to hell. To God's sovereign will, yes. Okay. Now, there are different Calvinists out there, and I figured this out really quick when I got into this. Some Calvinists want to act like all it takes for someone to do bad is God just restricts his grace, just lifts his grace off of them, and they'll automatically go bad. 
because there's five points to Calvinism. They have the acronym TULIP, like the flower TULIP. And if you ever see Calvinism with a flower TULIP, TULIP represents T-U-L-I-P, total depravity. You are an absolute wretch from the moment you are born. You deserve nothing but punishment. This is how the biblical Calvinistic worldview views humanity. Every single one of us are absolute wretches and deserve the absolute worst from God at point of birth. That's how wicked we are. That's total depravity. Unconditional election is the you. And that means God, under no condition, chose on his own free sovereign will before the foundation of the world, depending on if you're a superlapsarian or an infralapsarian. The infralapsarians are softer Calvinists. They're, let's let's protect God and not make him look so cruel. So they believe that God chose after Adam fell. He had free will, but once he fell, God pre predestined everything. Superlapsarians say before Adam fell, before anything was created, God's purpose and plan, unconditionally, he elected and chose who was going to go to heaven. Now, there's some people that are Calvinists that want to say he didn't choose people for hell. I beg to differ if you read Paul. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he literally is purposing some vessels for wrath and destruction in Romans chapter 9. So he, is on, he has a plan for this according to that idea. Unconditional election. Limited atonement. This is a very key pivotal point. Some Calvinists can't swallow the pill. The reason why is there's a lot of problems with this. But either way, <laughs> Jesus only died for the elect. He did not die for the world. He did not die to save humanity. He only died. And his blood vicariously was poured out to save only the vessels prepared for glory. He only died for his people. Matthew 1, verse 21. If you read it, it says, You shall name him Jesus, the angel says to, to uh, Jake, Joseph, for he shall save his people from their sins. This is how Calvinists interpret it. Jesus only came to save his people. Who are his people? The elect. Who are the elect? The chosen ones. Who are the chosen ones? Those who were unconditionally elect in the you and the unconditionals go right into the limited for who Jesus died for. Now we go to the I. I is irresistible grace. If God chose you according to his plan, you will get saved no matter what. If he did not choose you, you will never hear the gospel or you will never get saved. So you will irresistibly, John chapter 6, Jesus talks about, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Well, all men to them was all the elect men, okay? And they will say that no matter what, that word in Greek is like a net being cast in the water to drag fish to the shore. That fish doesn't have a choice. Once it's in the net, it's coming to shore. That's yeah. the idea of drawing the men. I will inevitably... I will become a magnet to my chosen and they will come coercively, but in a loving way. They won't sound like he forces you in a bad way. They'll say like, here's a, a biblical example. Paul was persecuting the church. 
Paul's on his road to, to Damascus to persecute the church even more in Acts. And one day, bam, God comes in out of nowhere, knocks his ass to the ground and says, why do you persecute me, Saul? And he says, I didn't know, Lord. He forces Paul to surrender, according to the Calvinist. God made his chosen one come and become a believer because he loved him. Jacob I loved, Esau I hated. He loved Paul. That's why he saved Paul. If he loves you, he will save you. If he doesn't love you, you were never going to get saved to begin with because it's not part of God's plan. And then finally, the P, perseverance of the saints. Those who were called, those who are elect, those he died for, those who were unconditionally elected, those he chose and saves are those who will remain believers till they die and get to be glorified with God at the judgment. If you do not stay a Christian, this is where I collapse. Derek, the reason you didn't stay, the reason you didn't persevere is because you were never really his. And if you don't stay and persevere to your death, you're not God's people. You, you never were never part of. Yep. You were never one of us. What what attracted you to, to Calvinism then? The Bible. The Bible. Just itself. because you thought it was most accurately connected to or. Yeah, I thought and you got to put on certain glasses, right? In order to, to <laughs> make sense of certain passages. No matter what systematic theology you use, you want to make sense of certain passages. When I read Paul say what he said in Romans 9, and then I read this word predestined or foreknown and things like that, like it, it gave the concept that before the foundation of the world, like look in Revelation, Jesus was the lamb who was slain since before the foundation of the world. What? Why was Jesus sent? To save sin, right? To, to try and redeem sinners. Well, if, what do you mean? To redeem what? From before the foundation of the world, sin was planned. It was all part of the plan. He uh -huh. was the lamb who was slain since before the world was created. Why was he going to be the one who was slain? Well, that's because it was all part of God's plan. So, there was a plan in mind, and it made a lot of sense to me that God knew, according to the Calvinist worldview. There's a lot of problems with it, by the way. I'm just telling you why I got sucked into it initially. Um, and I ended so up saying in, it's the most biblical. Well, so in, in Mormonism, for example, um, when we read those scriptures, like I think some of my Mormon friends and family that might be listening would say, well, yeah, we, we understand that before the world was, we were. Right, we believe in this pre-existent life, um, which you know about, right? So I, my soul existed before I came here. So that's why God knew me before, and He right. knew Jesus before. So, uh, you know, so I think you could take any religion and and make it fit, push the make it fit button into the Bible. So, out of curiosity, what was it about these kind of other? Uh, fringe Christian religions like Mormonism that would have turned you off? Or if you had heard from Mormon missionaries, oh yeah, this is how we interpret that scripture and make a whole set, make total sense around a pre-existence um, spirit world. Was it because Mormonism was considered a cult in mainstream Christianity or? Yeah, I think that you, you start, where you're at. I look forward to having more discussions. I'm sorry it was all over the place, but uh, this was fun. Oh, no. 
Oh, no, we're going to do more. Can't wait for more. Okay, man. All right, Peace bro. out.